Hey everybody, welcome to the third episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast. I'm your host, Luke, here with my co-host and cousin, as always, Perry. What's going on, man? Not much, brother. Doing well. Um, just uh, just actually have had a chance to kind of sit down and catch my breath here after this week. Um, things have been crazy with work and, and with my wife's work schedule. Uh, it's been nice that we actually have the whole family together for the weekend after a crazy hunting season and holiday season and all of that. So just actually getting to enjoy a little bit of of downtime home with the family and the kids. So it's been pretty good. How about yourself? What you been into? Man, kind of the same. Uh, I feel like I haven't had a chance to catch my breath since back in September when I went on my elk hunt. It just falls to the wall ever since. So this weekend I had a four-day weekend, federal employee, you know, oh, with yeah. MLK Day. So uh, having Friday and Monday off, I feel like I've finally started to catch up, got caught up on orders, the shipping issues, managed to do a bunch of updates to the website. And then I've really been focusing on uh, prepping the basement, which is our HLE warehouse. So I put up, hell, I don't know, six new big shelves, kind of organized everything, getting prepped for it. We just ordered a full restock and then we're expanding. Uh, we got three or four more hats in the works and then two or three more lines in the works. So over the next, uh, I don't know, several months, it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty sharp expansion. That's awesome, man. I'm excited to see some of that new stuff. I know, uh, We'd kind of talked a little bit about it previously, but I'm I'm cool to see how it's uh it's gonna turn out once you get those products rolling. So it'll be good. Yeah, man, I'm excited. I mean, I've already kind of hinted at we're gonna drop a, a I don't know if it'll be a full line. It's gonna be cost and, and cash uh, dependent, but we're gonna have a men, a men and women's gym line. Add a little more to the women's apparel. And then I'm also wanted to drop you know a couple garments for kids. So we'll have maybe some shirts, onesies for the babies. I've got some pretty pretty funny ideas. I think that are gonna be some cool kids clothes. Um, I've gotten some masks for that. I did a couple sample hats for children as well. So I'm pretty excited to see, uh, see where things go. Yeah, no, that's, that's good shit, man. That'll be, uh, that'll be good. So, um, yeah, I was thinking for this episode, if you're up for it, maybe we'd kind of do like a little bit of the, uh, of the origin story of HLE and give the listeners kind of a, uh, you know, a deep dive into kind of, you know, the dark crevices of your mind. What, what, uh, what led you to kind of go down this road? So does that sound good? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're pretty shallow crevices, but uh, we can get, we can give it a go. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, just for, for all you listeners out there, um, I'll just kind of give you a brief kind of backstory. You know, Luke has always been, you know, pretty entrepreneurial, which, you know, I've known in my whole life, I've, uh, I've been able to, to see some of that stuff. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember telling the story at your wedding, dude, where um, I think you were in like middle school or maybe, maybe it was high school. I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah, you're making those uh, those monkey fist keychains with the uh, with the ball bearings and the paracord, you know, like ninety five cents into each one, selling them for like ten, twelve bucks a pop. So, you know, that's um, that's always something you've been you've been doing. So, you know, I wasn't personally surprised when you uh, when you came up with this idea for the uh, for the HLE. Um, you know, it, it seemed to me, you know, pretty logical, pretty straightforward. You know, we you know we grew up in a you know, in, in that culture of, of hunting. And we kind of discussed that a little bit and, you know, basically, you know, that was something that, that we were around more or less our entire lives. Um, you know, obviously you, you had the history with the, uh, with the, you know, the lifting as part of your, you know, your high school, um, football endeavors. Um, you know, I never did as much of the, of the, you know, the, the lifting, certainly not the, the hardcore strength training that you did, but, you know, I was always, um, you know, active in sports and, and outdoor activities and, you know, stayed, you know, at least somewhat in shape. And then, um, you know, the other thing is we were, 
we were fortunate to, you know, have a family that always, you know, um, was very, you know, honestly, they were great cooks um, from the time, you know, we were kids with our grandparents and the older generation, um, our great aunts and uncles, you know, they passed that on down to our parents' generation, our aunts and uncles. And, you know, we, we have a strong farming uh, you know, background in our family. And so, you know, being able to cook a meal, um, you know, whether that was, you know, animals that were raised or whether that was game that was harvested, prepare a good solid meal, share that with friends and family. You know, that was always something that, um, that was part of our family. So this idea of hunt, lift, eat, when you first brought it to me, uh, seemed relatively straightforward. Um, but I was just curious and, and thought the, the listeners might be as well to just do a little bit of a, of a, a deeper in-depth look into kind of what your um, motivation was, you know, kind of for the original inception of, of the company and, um, you know, what, what you wanted to do differently than some of the other, some of the other brands that are out there in the industry. Yeah, definitely. So like taking it back to the beginning, um, I had no, no real designs of starting any sort of company. It was my, one of my really good buddies, one of my best friends when I was at Fort Campbell, uh, Eric Bartell, shout out. Um, he was transitioning out of the army and he started a fitness Instagram page. Neither one of us really did anything with social media prior to that. And he just decided to do it. And the dude's freaking shredded and jacked. So he got, he gained a you know following pretty quickly. He was actually able to leverage that Instagram following into a job. He lined up a job, got a pretty good job coming straight out of the army. And I was like, huh, like there's something to this social media thing. And that this was, I had just gotten back from my second deployment. Um, it was on that deployment that I kind of, uh, decided to take my hunting to the next level. I guess I'd grown up hunting just on the farm and the two family farms that I have my dad's side, my mom's side, uh, my mom's side's the side that Perry and I hunt on. We have a hunting cabin, but I hadn't really done any public land hunting. I had done a little bit of hogs down at Benning, but nothing serious. And then I, I never bow hunted. And so when I got back to Fort Campbell, I decided to get kind of, you know, heavy into that. And then that's a, you know, when you're hunting, outside of, you know, where you kind of grew up, there's a whole list of new gear you need and, and all this stuff. And so my, you know, early kind of aspirations were just to be able to build a little bit of a following to maybe get some discounts from companies, which is what a lot of guys out there, they want to, you know, partner with a company and be a brand rep, you know, brand ambassador or field staff or whatever. And so that's kind of what I started to do. Um, and my page started to gain some traction. I started to kind of like fumble fuck my way through uh, Instagram and learning about, I, I would read and I, I try to like, anytime I'm doing something, I try to learn what everybody else is doing and then start with that and then pivot off that to tr once you kind of get your feet, you know, your, your feet wet and then to kind of set yourself apart. And my page uh, continued to kind of, I wouldn't say blow up because, you know, comparatively speaking, it's not that big, but it was enough that I was sitting there kind of working really hard to create content for these other companies and you know I'm getting discounts a couple companies were sending me free stuff but it wasn't I was putting a lot of time with like no sort of return on investment and that was right. when the you know it started thinking maybe I should look at if I'm going to do this do this for my own brand and then what do I want that to be well Hunt Lift Eat was born out of just sheer stupidity and dumb luck I had read somewhere that you should make your Instagram handle whatever your page was. And like at the time, 
I was a geographical bachelor. My wife was still at Fort Campbell. I had moved down to Fort Benning. So I had a ton of time on my hands. So literally all I was doing was hunting, working out and lifting, and then eating and cooking a lot of wild game, steaks, meat, and was just eating a very meat heavy diet. And that was like, I was like, oh, I'll just do hunt, lift, eat as my personal Instagram name. Well, then with that, I started to realize that that could, you know, maybe be a brand and I'd already had the following. And so I was like, you know, I can't find any good hats that I like. And I decided I was going to like maybe make some designs for some hats. And then that spiraled into, uh, I was a basic training company commander and we got a, what's called a non-conduct. So due to recruiting issues, we didn't pick up a class because there wasn't enough numbers. And so I found myself with a ton of time on my hands for about 10 weeks. I was basically going in to the office till about noon, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. And then even when I was there, I didn't have much to do. And so I would just like on PowerPoint, I don't know if I should be saying this, I was at work on a government computer, but on PowerPoint, I built out the original logos. So if the the original logos look kind of clip arty, it's because I literally built them on PowerPoint clip art. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so I, I made a bunch of different designs and then I ran some polls and the ones that everybody liked the most were the ones I kind of ran with. I got, I bought an embroidery machine, like a little single needle embroidery machine, uh, like a brother one. Um, and it was, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, 400 bucks, and then started making embroidered patches. And then I ordered some blank hats and started teaching myself how to sew them on. And that's how, uh, that's how the business was born. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's all really cool stuff. I don't, uh, I don't think you're, you're not doing the sewing yourself anymore, are you? Fuck no, man. That That's why we don't have any, uh, <laughs> we currently don't have any embroidered patches because I've been working on uh, finding a new supplier for my embroidered patches. I think I have one, but we'll see. Because I, I, yeah, I just got, I mean, I was literally making one at, a t- one at a time, trimming them, putting the adhesive on the back, and then sewing them to the hats. And it was a very time-consuming process. And it was fine when I was selling like one hat at a time. But then when I started selling, you know, we, I mean, we moved it like I had to shut the business down for a little while because we started <laughs> selling way more than I thought we would. And I was using like my wife's like college printer and it was just like, <laughs> so it took like three minutes to print one shipping label. <laughs> it was bad, man. So like we kind of pulled back and decided we were going we, to, the wife and I had a conversation or are we going to pursue this? Is this something we want to actually continue to build or is this just a good experiment? in entrepreneurship and we decided to get to run with it because initially the way i sold it to my wife was you know i can spend fifteen thousand twenty thousand dollars on grad school because i was looking to get in an mba with a focus in entrepreneurship or i can go spend 250 dollars on some books on starting a business read myself and then launch my own thing and learn through that real world practical experience and obviously that's the way i went the rest has kind of been history oh yeah no i mean that i think that's awesome i mean that's you know, it's, it's been similar, obviously, I, you know, I've worked for a, 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 you know, small company, but you know, that, that baptism by fire where you just, you're forced to learn, um, all the ins and outs and the little nuances of, of, uh, not only the technical, you know, side of running a business, but also the, you know, the, the day in day out, you know, business side, just, you know, being forced to do it. I think that's, I think that's a great way to learn. So that's uh, absolutely that's and I, and I think when you do it yourself, and this isn't to say you shouldn't get an MBA or go to grad school or whatever. That's fine for a lot of people. But the the fact of the matter is, if, if your focus is business and entrepreneurship, especially if you want to go work in the corporate world, an MBA is going to be great. But if you want to own your own business, 
I think it might be a little bit of a handicap to go learn what everybody else is learning because then you're just going to do what everybody else is doing, at least for your first instinct. And plus you're learning for professors. I mean, how many professors that teach entrepreneurship have actually launched a startup? Probably right. a few, but probably not that many because most of them, if they were successful startups are still doing that and they're probably continuing to do startups. Right. So like, why am I going to take lessons from a guy that, that may or may not have any real world experience in what he's teaching? Right. And yeah. especially for the cost. I mean, if I had a $20,000 to start this, I mean, we would have been, I mean, hell, $20,000 right now would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all scalable, but the reality is, you know, like you said, if, if you're wanting to do something different and set yourselves apart and, you know, I can speak for, for myself and I think as well as you and, and what you're trying to do here with HLE, you know, I know personally with, with my company, you know, we, we try at every turn to set ourselves apart from our competitors. And, and that's really what, you know, makes us, you know, different and, and, um, you know, if, if you go to school, you know, pursue that same old education that everyone else is, you know, great, nothing wrong with it. You know, I decided me personally, I wasn't, that path wasn't right for me. So, um, I think jumping in with both feet first, uh, is never a bad way to go. So definitely you, you can't trade the value of real world experience and getting your hands dirty. And there's just lessons. I think that get ingrained, like the mistakes that I've made have cost me probably thousands of dollars. But I think they're more valuable in the way I learn, especially, is I learn more from those mistakes than I would trying to, you know, get it from a lecture or a book. And so in the end, I think those those lessons more than pay for themselves. I'd rather spend five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars failing my on my own than, you know, five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars having somebody else tell me how not to fail. Right. No, I think and honestly, I think that's a great segue because, you know, it's been it's been what, about a year and a half now since you started? Uh, yeah, I mean, I initially had the idea in December of 18, but I launched the website in April of 2019. Right. So, you know, after a year and a half, what, um, what, what do you think you would have done differently knowing what you know now um, about, you know, sort of the, you know, where you are or, you know, or would you basically, you know, some of those mistakes you talked about, you think you would have still made them or, or would you have done something different? Um, I mean, a lot of those mistakes I think you have to make, but one of the big things I would tell folks is one, don't skimp on a lot of like upfront costs that I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to word this. So like, there's like little things like with my, my website or like efficiency things that you're like, Oh, I'll just do it myself. Well, that's fine when you're selling one unit, two units a week, but the more you can pay to get your time back as a small business owner, manager, you know, whatever you like that, that will pay dividends in the long run. And so I kind of had to go back and pay for things twice because I would buy something maybe a little cheaper and then have to go back and pay, you know, for the better thing later. And that's something where I've learned. I've also learned if you're producing a quality product that has some genuine heart and soul behind it and you you make the customers feel how they should feel, which is important because they are, they're going to, they're going to understand that you're going to have to like increase prices. That was something too. I started out pretty cheap and I wasn't making anything. Cause like, you're like, Oh, the cost of the hat and the cost of the patch is really, you know, but then you factor in, you know, like little things like, Oh, how much does a shipping box cost? How much does a shipping label cost? Cause I was offering, you know, free shipping with every order. I was trying to be very, very like customer centric, but then we, it wasn't, I don't pull any money out of this company. I, I never have, but I can't grow if I'm not making enough money as I, so you have to understand, like I'm providing value and 
trust the customers and the consumers that they're going to pay, be willing to pay for that value, which I'm blown away daily at, at how, you know, our customers do that. Yeah, no, hundred percent on that. That value added component is something that gets talked about a lot. And, and on the surface, I think is, uh, you know, honestly, fairly common sense, but, um, I've seen it in, in, in my life, you know, for sure in my, in my profession that a lot of times customers aren't feeling like they're getting that value added component. When you can, when you can make them feel that way, then you're right. They don't mind paying a premium for those services because they know at the end of the day that that's, that's the best option for them out there. So I think that's, I think that's, uh, that's critical. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. I'll, one of my first inter was, I was uh, a company reached out to me. I won't name it, the company, but they reached out to me back before I launched HLE and wanted me to kind of be an ambassador. And it was like a kind of a full blown deal. I signed a contract, all this stuff. And they, they reached out to me. They wanted me to do all this stuff. They gave me a pretty fat discount on their products, but these probably weren't products that I would have bought on my own. Um, right. But I went ahead and, and bought them anyways. And I bought some stuff for my wife and cause we we're going on a, a trip that was pretty, uh, it applied to like their, their niche, uh, niche, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. And so I was like, Oh, this will be perfect. I'll get some stuff for us. We can get some photos and some content for them. Excuse me. And, um, uh, they sent us the wrong stuff. And so I reached out to them and was like, Hey, like you sent me the wrong item, you know, yada, yada, yada. And they were very curt. There was no apology. There was, Hey, send it back and we'll send you the new one. Right. And it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. Cause I was like, well, you made a mistake. Now you want me to inconvenience myself to have to like take time out of my day to go mail this back. And I'm supposed to be a part of your team. Right. Like I didn't really feel like I was part of the team. And, and I mean, I, I fulfilled like the rest of my contract or whatever. And kind of, I mean, I, I basically just blew them off. Cause I was like, you guys aren't fucking paying me anything. Like what are you going to do? Sue me. So, you know, I, I posted some stuff for him here and there, but it, it just for the rest of the time, I didn't feel like there was any sort of, you know, team aspect or, you know, ambassadorship. And I, and I feel like that I've been an ambassador for a bunch of different companies. And I feel like that is very common. I, I don't know. I don't know every company, but I, I've never felt like I was truly part of any sort of team organization. And so when I started to build the HLE team, I really wanted to actually, I was very, I didn't call it in, you know, a field staff, I called it a team for a reason. Right. And I think that's what we are. I mean, we have a great group of guys. We, everybody talks almost daily we're swapping stories, swapping, you know, jokes, swapping, you know, tips and tactics and advice on gear. And that's what, that's what, you know, I, I wanted. And I think we're building that. And then beyond the team itself within the community of our consumer base, I think we're also building that. And that's really what I'm going after. I mean, the apparel is great and like, I want to sell that stuff, but I really want to sell that stuff to then fund, you know, bigger and better things to then continue to build this community. Sure. So do you think your uh do you think your military background and experience there has has shaped some of that stuff in terms of, you know, putting the emphasis on the team, uh, you know, working together that common goal, you know, kind of stuff. Do you think that's that's had a factor? Oh, 100%. I mean, there's no way it couldn't. You can't, you know, do be in the, you know, in the military and you're so reliant on the guys to your left and right. You know, it's kind of cliche you hear it all the time, but I mean, it's really true, and especially as a as an officer. I don't do anything like I, I manage a little bit and I, you know, you know, I guess I lead, but like really I'm reliant on all the men to do the work, the soldiers, they're the backbone of the organization. And so 
if they don't feel like they're valued and if you don't and they're i mean they're soldiers get a bad rap for being dumb and they do do a lot of dumb shit sometimes but <laughs> they also are very perceptive and then it is very transparent when somebody is just faking the funk and trying to pretend like they care right and i've made a lot of a lot of mistakes in my career and uh done a lot of things not so great but i think one thing that i've done well is that i do truly care about the guys that i work for and then that work for me and that translates and i think that that's translated over into hunt lift eat as well is that i, I genuinely care about the guys that we've brought into the team even the guys that i've never met in person like once you're part of the team like we fucking have your back like that's no matter what and we help each other out i mean it was really awesome when Caleb had his truck stolen or his truck broken into and all of his hunting gear stolen. Like guys were throwing cash, you know, to help, help him get back on his feet so he could finish up the season, you know, from the team. So, and in supporting them. And that's what it's about for me is, is really building that, that camaraderie and that support system. Yeah. It's been crazy. I mean, just the other day I was out, you know, in the field for my job and, and that team chat, you know, with all, with all the guys in there was just absolutely blowing up, you know, like I said, guys asking questions about gear, uh, you know, Evan, Evan's been, been looking at, uh, archery equipment and so forth. And, and, you know, he was getting a ton of feedback on, on some of his questions and it's just been like, my phone was just absolutely blowing up nonstop. And it's just, it's just the team, you know, talking to each other. And it's, it's been, it's been pretty cool to see, um, how that's come together. So that's, uh, that's been pretty exciting. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So what do you think, uh, so, so you've been in the military for how long now? Uh, I did four years of ROTC in college and then seven years active duty. So you're, yeah, you're, I mean, all said and done count ROTC time, you're, you're over a decade. So what, um, what do you think, or what have you learned about running a business, you know, from your basement or from, you know, from your garage that, that differs from some of your other professional endeavors, you know, whether that be military or, you know, I know you've dabbled in some of the, the, uh, the real estate stuff uh, how's, how's the, what, you know, what are the, what are some of the differences? What are some things that you can, we've already talked about the, you know, the team and the leadership stuff, but, um, you know, just kind of weigh out the, some of the things that are, that are different. Some of the things that still apply from some of your other professional experience. Yeah. The biggest thing is I, I'm very good at delegating in the army because there's a lot of jobs I don't like to do and it's right. very easy to leverage, you know, the people, one that I don't like to do or two that I just am not the right guy to do. And so I'm, I'm a big fan of leveraging, you know, guys that are better and, and willing to do those jobs. And you can do, I've, you know, I've been able to do that a little bit in, in this business, but I've learned that I need to outsource certain things. But the problem is, is, you know, we're still a very small business, still growing, you know, rolling all the money back in. And as we try to expand these lines, like apparel, like just a pro tip for everybody out there. If you're trying to make a lot of money, Apparel, unless you have a ton of money to drop in it early, apparel is not the place to be. Like inventory is expensive. Unit prices, unless you're ordering that volume are high, your margins aren't great. So apparel is not the it's not a big money making endeavor. Um, I like it because it fits with what I want to do and you know the content and it's gonna open up some doors as we grow for some, you know, other things down the road, I think. But um, but yeah, not having anybody to delegate to. I mean, the team helps out, but I can't really pay anybody other than like, you know, I'll pay for costs. Like I sent Seth, our cameraman down to film Anthony. I paid, you know, his gas or I will once he gives me an invoice, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Seth's a great cameraman and, and he's pretty awesome, but sometimes he's a little disorganized. Um, I'm talking to you, Seth, go get me that damn invoice. Get your money, man. Yeah, for real. But yeah, so like not having that, uh, 
you know, the, the people to leverage, it just all falls down on me. And it's like, if, if I don't do it, then we're, it's not going to get done. If I don't go send out these packages, they're not going to get sent. My wife helps and, you know, she does some great work. Um, but you know, she, she's a full-time teacher, so it's not like she can do all the stuff. And plus, as I learn this, it's hard for me to have the time to teach her the nuances of a lot of this stuff. So I just end up doing it myself. So that's the, the biggest thing is that it's a big time commitment. Like I wake up before, like before PT in the morning, I usually wake up and I'll get some orders together. So I, I usually get up about 30 minutes to an hour early. Um, I go to ship orders on my lunch break and, you know, I come home, I usually take some time to spend with the wife. I might do another evening workout and then I am back down in the basement doing orders. Now, obviously we're, we got the podcast to do as well. So we got to make time for that. And so it really becomes a time suck. Um, which I don't mind. I mean, I, I like it. I think I'm more productive the busier I am. I think a lot of people are like that, but I definitely am. If I'm not, if I have too much time, like I'm gonna like an amoeba. Like I just absorb that time with bullshit. But if I'm like balls to the wall, like I stay on top of it, and I'm I'm a lot better off that way. So I think, I think that's one of those things uh, that's really different from the army is the amount of time that I'm actively doing things. Because when you're an officer, if if you're actively engaged and you find yourself really busy, you're probably not doing your job correctly because you can't see the bigger picture. Um, right. It's just, you know, it's not always true, but for the most part, you shouldn't be very, you know, engaged. Cause if you're decisively engaged on something, you're missing something else that's happened. You've got to be able to manage and see whether it's in the field or in on deployment or even just in garrison, just managing a bunch of tasks all at once. I'm very in the weeds, obviously with hunt, lift, eat. So that, yeah. that's the biggest difference I'd say. I think it's a great point you brought up about, um, you know, the busier you are, the more productive you can be. And I mean, I, you know, as a, as a fellow, you know, small business, um, kind of guy, it's, you know, we've been, we've been on a pretty good tear here the past, you know, year, a couple of years. And, and it's, you know, in one regard, you know, I'm in the same way, like oftentimes I, you know, get up in the morning doing emails, responding to, uh, to clients, you know, writing proposals while I drink my coffee. And then, you know, take the kids to school, uh, go out in the field, you know, do the office work, come home, get the kids to bed, fire up the computer, do another couple hours of, of work, getting caught up. And it can make for some long days and some long hours and, you know, that, that added stress at times. But I, I think you're absolutely right in that when you know you've got stuff to do, it's easier in a lot of ways to be motivated to get it done. Whereas, if you're, you know, if you don't have that something pushing you from behind or, or, you know, pulling you, then, then it is easy to, to lose time and, and, uh, you know, not stay focused on, on the task at hand. So I, th I think that's a great point. I think that's something that, you know, that little bit of momentum or that little bit of inertia for anyone out there who's, you know, in the process of, of starting something from scratch or, you know, part of a, a small endeavor and just trying to get that momentum you know, if you can get it and keep it and, you know, just keep your head down, then I think that's a great way to, uh, to not lose, not lose sight of the, of the goals that you got for yourself. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I was texting Seth about the work weekend we've got coming up in February where I'm going to fly back to Virginia. And he was like, you're flying several hours to go clear trails and put out some minerals and plant food plot seed. And my response was, I was like, yeah, I got, I got a four day weekend. But when there's work to be done, like you do it, I suppose. And then he came back with, I think if uh, HLE could teach America and the youth one thing, that might be it. And yeah. it's kind of funny that that fits in perfectly right here is that 
you know, when you decide to set yourself to something, whether that's a business, whether it's workout goals or whatever, and you decide to do it, well, that work needs to be done. And when work needs to be done, you do it. And it's, you know, I'm not saying this from a high horse. I've, I've skipped out on jobs. I've, you know, come in late. I sleep in, I skip workouts. Like I, I do all those things, but we all have exactly. And you've got to stay on yourself and have that discipline and that, that mental toughness to, to do it. Like there's been nights I've come in from work, a long day of work and I'm just smoked. And it's like, dude, I don't want to send, like go down to the basement and get 30 orders together. Like this sounds miserable, but I've got to, because, you know, we try to get these orders out in a, in a timely manner. And these people, especially with USPS being as fucked as they've been, but you know, I got to get it out as fast as possible. But, and if you guys haven't, seen on instagram we are no longer using usps ups only they're way faster and that's why the shipping prices increased i'm sorry but at least you'll get your packages on time but yeah Yeah, i've heard that's been an absolute fucking nightmare some of the the postal service uh (laughs) dealings that have happened over the holidays not just with you obviously but just in general i mean that sounds that sounds miserable i had 40 packages that went out because i didn't do any shipping from uh the 17th to the fourth because of the holidays. And I figured nobody would really be buying anything. And we didn't, we got a couple things before Christmas. But I think there was like an after Christmas, like everybody got Christmas money. Cause right. like we got like 30 orders from like Christmas, like the day after Christmas until, uh, um, like the fourth. And so I got home from Virginia and like we drove across country and it was like that day I was like immediately packing orders, dropped them off in the post office. They didn't even scan them in. So everybody's like, hey, the shipping label's been made, but like, when's it going to the post office? And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And I mean, I got, and I I don't blame everybody. Like, please, like if you guys are having issues with your shipping, reach out to me, like 100%. Um, I should have sent out a mass email. That was my fault. But uh, yeah, it was, it was just crazy. Like, and then meanwhile, this is going on. I'm doing stuff with the army where we're, we're working. We worked like 10 days, 10, 12 days with no, no days off. And so like, I was just swamped. It was pretty stressful there for a minute, but we got it all. We got through it all. Everybody should be getting their packages. Now they finally got out of Denver. seems to be a big holdup in Denver for some reason. I'm not sure if, I mean, I guess it's a, uh, probably a regional office. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm sure it'll be better going forward now with UPS. Hopefully that'll, that'll make life a little simpler for you. So. Yeah, I think so. They're already, I mean, I sent some stuff out the other day and I sent it out on Friday. Yeah. And it's supposed to be there Monday. So, I mean, that's, so has that been, um, has that been one of the more challenging things that you've had to deal with? You know, I know obviously this past year with, with, uh, you know, just in general with, with COVID and whatnot, that's, that's taken a toll on, on a lot of small businesses, obviously. What, what's been some of the, uh, more challenging things you've, you've dealt with so far? Uh, the shipping has been a big one, honestly. Luckily we haven't had anything lost yet, at least that, not that I'm aware of, um, but that was that was kind of a big deal because I was worried all forty of those because like when once they're scanned in you have a pretty good feeling but since they weren't showing scanned in I was pretty nervous we were gonna lose all forty of those and that was gonna be a big hit to the pocketbook because if that ever happens like I'm gonna I'm either gonna refund everybody's money or I'm gonna send them new products like I, you know understood that once I mail it I have no control but at the same time you're gonna get your your merchandise I'm gonna guarantee that right um, but but yeah that one was tough I mean COVID is just tough on everybody. Um, Honestly, it was good for the business because I found myself having a lot of time to design and to develop. And that's when I built the new line, the one that dropped in October and then built, you know, the hoodies too. 
for later. I built all that at the same time. And so I do all the design work myself. Um, I'll outsource for graphic designers to take my ideas and like make them pretty. But as far as like the logos and like the deadlifting bear has been a concept I've had in my head for a long time. Um, actually, built, I made a deployment shirt for a thousand pound club with the deadlifting bear. And so I was able to take that. I always saw it as a uh, pencil sketch or pen sketch. So that was, oh. that was yeah, that was pretty cool to, to see that come to fruition. But um, and I didn't see any sort of decline. I mean, we surged in sales with COVID. And so I'm very lucky in that regard that our business seemed to be pretty COVID proof because it's apparel. It's not, you know, have any brick and mortar running in and out of my basement. It's really kind of nice. It, I worked, I never planned it out this way, but I have a very big unfinished basement in the bottom of my house that gives me, I think, 900 square feet of a uh, kind of warehouse space. So yeah, it's badass. Yeah, it's working out really nice. I've, I've built it out. I'm going to build out the, the podcast studio down in here. And like, it's going to be kind of a cool little setup, I think, um, in a big tax write-off against my mortgage. So pretty cool. There you go. So what's uh, what's been the most rewarding thing that you've that you've seen so far with, with the startup here? The support, man. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the DMs and the messages I get with guys that are just like so supportive of the brand and like, guy saying like, man, I've never seen a brand that describes me like this. Right. And, uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording here with, with this podcast. Um, you know, it's funny cause you and I had always kind of kicked around the idea of a podcast just because, you know, we can, we can shoot the shit about almost anything, but, you know, always kind of came back to is like, who's really going to want to listen to us talk uh, just a couple of dumb hillbillies from, from the Appalachian mountains with uh, you know, thinking we have something to say, but um, when you kind of kick this idea of the podcast, you know, and we said, heck yeah, let's, let's do it. And you, you put out the, some of the feelers on the polls out there on, on the social media and, and some of the response that, you know, do you know how I know you're old, the you social media, it, you called it the social media. <laughs> Dude, that's that's straight Appalachian, man. The the internet, the social media, the COVID. That's the just, COVID. That's, that's that Appalachian coming out in me. So oh, we're going down to the Walmart, so then we're going to check out the Lowe's. Oh yeah. Hope we don't get the COVID. <laughs> oh man, but no, I mean you're 100 percent right. Uh, we have, I mean, hell, because we used to be in pretty heavy into fantasy football back when we were younger. We still dabble in that stuff a little bit. It's good mental masturbation, but we were pretty hot and heavy in it when we were when I was in college and stuff. And then we uh, we talked about doing that, and that market's super saturated. And plus, like, I don't think I would ever get any fulfillment over just talking about fake football, you know? No. And I ne- didn't really consider a hunt, lift, eat one. And I don't remember. I had so I put the poll up this will kind of segue with me into another kind of topic on this. Um, I put the poll up the 4th of December. Cause I went back and looked and 4th of December. I was like, I kind of told myself, Hey, if 50 people want to listen to this um, and they say, yes, then we'll, uh, then we'll do it. And I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. We had 176 people answer the poll. No, 176 answered that they would listen seven said no two of which are my buddies fucking with me so i guess five five guys didn't want to listen you guys better not be fucking listening right now (laughs) yeah we don't want you i'm just kidding we we want everybody we all make (laughs) we all make mistakes but uh 
I mean, I was blown away by that. I was like 176 people want to like, would be willing to listen to us talk. And then I put out like, Hey, if you guys wanted to, you know, if we did launch a podcast, what would the topics be? And you know, there's a bunch of stuff. Some of them, you know, the origins, our background, stuff we've already covered training and fitness, obviously got a bunch of smart ass comments, honey, lifting and eating. Yeah. No shit. Sherlock. Like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, thanks. Real constructive there, but no, I mean, it was funny, but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of crazy. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. We're going to do this. We're going to do it now. So I started researching how to do a podcast. I had no idea. Um, and fuck, we did our first episode 21. No, we did on the 28th. So 24 days later, after I, I did the post and decided to make a podcast, we did our first episode. Yeah. And so that right there. So when I had the idea for Hunt, Lift, Eat, it was December of 18. I launched in April of 19, right? So you said, what would I do different? I would yep. have moved faster. Um, and, and that's what I've learned is it's better to, I, I could have found the best software. I could have found the best microphones. I could have researched for months on how to have the best podcast. But I decided the best way to have the best podcast is to start doing a podcast. Yeah. And so within 24 days of when I decided we were going to do it, we did our first two episodes, kind of, we had to scrap one of them. One of them were, had to pay to get the audio redone. Uh, well, Seth paid. I don't, I don't know why he paid because he's awesome. So thank you again, Seth, for all, all you do. Um, but that's going to probably be one of the next episodes. Cause that's a really good one of just us shooting the shit in the, in the tool shed about a lot of old hunting stories, but we moving that quickly you build momentum and you continue to build momentum. And when you start and you, you overanalyze, it's so easy to owner overanalyze everything you're going to do, whether it's like buying your first rental property, launching your business, doing your podcast. Don't wait, like just fucking do it. Like a, and they say in the army all the time, like a 50%, you know, solution with a hundred percent fucking aggression and intensity is going to beat, you know, a 90% solution with 50%, you know, aggression and, and audacity. So like, just do the, like, figure out what you're going to do, learn, learn the broad strokes and then go execute. So, well, you know, analysis paralysis is a real thing. And 100%. so, you know, I agree completely. And, and I mean, in some ways you almost kind of had to talk me into it. Cause I was like, you know, I just kept coming back to, is this really something that, you know, people are going to, are going to want to, going to want to actually take their time. You know, we listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts, you know, damn near every day, but you know, I feel like I'm getting something out of every podcast I listen to. And, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that, you know, we're, we're trying to provide that same thing to our listeners, but you know, you were like, look, man, you know, we got a shot here. I think we, you know, think we have some momentum, so let's do it. And, and so far um, I think it's, I think it's been awesome. So um, that, you know, here we are January, uh, 2021, um, recording our third podcast. What, uh, what's, what's next? I mean, this is, it's, it has been kind of a, a, a crazy past few weeks here. Um, what, what do you think, what do you think the next step is for, for 21 and, and beyond? Well, we've got a lot in the works. Um, a lot of it's going to be time dependent. I mean, obviously with my day job, I get snagged up a lot. I'm going to be gone for the whole month of April. So we're going to, we're going to front load a bunch of podcasts so we can, you know, have those dropped. We don't, we won't miss a week that way, but we're developing, we're in the early phases of developing a uh, web series. Um, think the hunting public means jackass maybe i don't know <laughs> is that how you would just, is that how you would describe uh deer camp for us 
Um, yeah, I think we know who the jackass is. Yeah, and there's a couple of them. <laughs> um, old Ron Jitter himself is probably the top of the top of the list there. No doubt. <laughs> Hopefully, we have him on in a few weeks. But but yeah, so the web series, I think. So Seth's working on a couple. Um, he's got some footage, at least one episode from our our bow camp back in October. And then we're going to start working up. We're going to try to film a bunch when we go do our work weekend. So that'll look, um, it'll kind of be in the same vein of the back 40 with less production value because we're not meat eater. But I mean, we're, we, it's going to be a similar concept where we're taking our family farm that has kind of been neglected um, as far as wildlife management goes over the past 20, 30 years, 30, 30 years, something like that, I would say. And so, uh, and we're, we're really started. We did a little bit last year and we're trying to scale up what we're doing. And we're going to kind of talk about that. And it'll be kind of a learning process because we, we've obviously never done done this before. You've got a background in wildlife management, but it's you know it's kind of the book stuff. So we're going to start trying to apply that and see how it all works and then document that journey so we can hopefully help other guys as they develop. So really focusing on content and uh, providing value and educational content. Um, I really want to start adding more articles and uh, recipes to the website. So I've got a ton of recipes. It's really been a time thing about me sitting down and starting to document. I have one of the other team members, Carter. He's been doing this, doing some. He started um, writing a series of articles about his journey on the piece of property he bought, the management, and then it all kind of culminated this year. And you can read the articles when they drop to kind of find out what that looked like. But it's it's pretty cool. Um, I really just want to provide value. And education and if you guys have any questions or any topics you want us to cover you know we're not experts at really anything we're kind of the the everyday guy and i think that's there's a benefit to that is we're not coming at you with these massive budgets or you know all this stuff it's it's pretty diy you know everything we do so it, that'll be big and then the other thing I'm, I'm building out is i get messages almost daily several times a week about being a brand ambassador for hunt lift eat so I'm never going to have brand ambassadors because I fucking hate that concept. I kind of alluded to that earlier with the lack of um, kind of camaraderie, team, and just development. And so I'm working on developing a program right now. I'm not exactly sure how it's it's fleshing out. It's it, we're, we're in the probably phase two of it at the moment, but it's going to be a, an ambassador program. It's going to be limited at first. We're going to start with probably 50 and then maybe a year later, expand to a hundred. I want to keep it pretty close hold. And there's going to be like a legit vetting process. Like I'm going to, guys are going to apply. I'm going to read every single application. Like if you have shit grammar, don't know how to use commas and periods, like, sorry, dude, you're going to be out immediately. Like I want people that are well-spoken articulate that actually want to learn and develop, not just in hunting and fitness and diet, but also just in life. I plan on bringing in, um, you know, some guys I know that are very successful with like real estate investing, uh, just, you know, just how to do like life stuff that I feel like there's a, a gap in education at school, at the higher echelons, just in society as a whole. Um, everything from like real estate investing to how, you know, the stock market works to survival stuff, uh, you know, being prepared, you know, some tactics, uh, techniques for hunting, you know, shooting all that kind of stuff and bringing in guys to come do like online classes and stuff and and build that out and that's that's kind of my big idea for it um we have the we have the what i really love is with a team and then the people we know we have the personnel available to be able to leverage a lot of guys knowledge and so i think that if we can build a team that is focused on developing and development 
it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty awesome. And then we're going to be able to take guys and I'm going to teach like my lessons in entrepreneurship. And I'm going to go grab guys that are like where I want to be that are better than me and have them come teach too for guys that want to start their own, their own brands or just their own social media stuff, teach like lessons learned, all that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of my, my big plan for, for 2021. And then obviously continuing to grow this podcast. Yeah, no, that's good stuff, man. And and I think you're right. We, we have a lot of subject matter experts on a variety of, of topics and, uh, and fields with, with the team and, and then some of the, you know, just some of the larger community that's kind of affiliated with the team. And it's, it's kind of like when we were talking with Pete the other day, you know, anytime, anytime you're around someone that, that's achieved a level of success, whether that be in their professional life, whether that be in their, their fitness goals, whether that be in the pursuit of an animal, whether that be, you know, education, you know, whatever it is, um, it, it, it drives you to, to just want to, you know, take what you can learn from that person, apply it to your own life and then see how much further you can push. And I think that's, I think that's all good stuff. Uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about that program and I, I think you've got some, some really good ideas for that. And I'm excited to see where that goes for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good stuff. I mean, I've been talking with Anthony. We're both going to develop some workout programs um, that guys will have access to. Uh, they'll be able to bounce, you know, training, nutrition stuff off me and Anthony. I, I'm not an expert at anything, but I have a pretty good knowledge base. But Anthony's like the, the true SME. So, like, he'll be available, not as in, like, a coaching aspect. You can you, you have the opportunity to uh, kind of leverage him if you, you, you don't want to pay for his coaching, obviously, and, and he's pretty close to all on his clients. So that would be another benefit if you wanted to kind of go to the next level, but we'll have some kind of general programs built somewhere between six or 10 focusing on, um, you know, like endurance stuff, but then also a lot of, you know, strength and conditioning. So just like different, d- different styles of programming, depending on whatever you're wanting to do. Um, there's going to be a cost. That's something I want to be very transparent about as we build this out. We're, I want to provide more value than what anybody's going to have to pay but I've got to be able to pay folks as I bring them in. And then as I develop, um, it's not going to be, I haven't just, I got to work out all the, the specifics, but I do want guys like as they come to, to apply to know that there's going to be some sort of dues, um, be very transparent where, where the money's going. Like, like I said, I've never taken a dime out of this. I don't pay any of the team members. Nobody makes money off HLE right now. Hopefully eventually we will, but yeah, really, really where that, that money and I, I'm going to have, a, I'll have a, once this is all fleshed out, I'll have a full podcast on the team, but, you know, it's going to go towards bringing in speakers. It's going to go towards the development of the programs. It's going to go to, you know, you're going to get the, you know, the occasional bit of swag. So eventually I'd like to build out to where we're doing some team events, team, you know, maybe not team hunts, but possibly like some public land stuff um, where we just all meet up, you know, or at least a, a select group of guys get to meet up and we all go to a hunt together out in like public land at Kansas or something like that. But, you know, that's kind of the big picture of it. Um, but I'm always going to, whatever the, the cost is going to be, I'm going to be wanting, my, my goal will be always to provide 10x on that value. 10x is kind of a buzzword these days. Thanks, Grant Cardone. But like, really, really want to do that to where you feel like you're make, you're getting more out of it. And with the community, with the, the like-minded guys, with guys that are really wanting to push each other and motivate each other to like, you know, go, go to that next level and whatever it is, if it's business, entrepreneurship, hunting, fitness, nutrition, all that. Yeah. No, hundred percent on that. I think I think that's good stuff. So, is there? Uh, so that's 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 some pretty pretty big plans in the works for HLE. What about you personally? What's what's your uh, what do you what are you trying to focus on? Are you wanting to do, um, you know, more hunting? Are you want to f- 
focused more on the fitness side of things, the diet, uh, just business growth above all else. You know, what's, what's it look like for, for you? Man, my 2020 was a whirlwind and my 2021 is going to be even crazier because I've set some pretty crazy goals. I mean, obviously everybody listened, heard about, I'm going to go for 1500 pounds powerlifting total and a marathon all in the same week. The 1500 pound powerlifting total is probably pretty attainable. I've never run further than 10 miles in my life. So the uh, marathons, it's going to take some work. Um, and then I've outlined HLE. I've also got some other goals. So I want to, I want to get below uh, 12% body fat. I really want to work on my body composition. Um, I've never really been strict with my diet for an extended period of time. I'd say the leanest I've probably ever been is probably about 16, 15% somewhere in there. So I want to get down to that sub 12, which I think is like, you know, pretty ideal. I don't want to get less than really less than that because, you know, for the endurance and performance, I think you have some diminishing returns, but uh, that that's a big, big focus of mine. I want to actually be consistent with my diet. I've, I've done a lot of yo-yoing um, in the past where I'll be crazy strict for like three months and then I'll fall off the wagon for three months. And so I really want to work on consistency and everything. Um, my training, like consistency over intensity. It's kind of a thing you hear a lot these days in the fitness world, but I really want to kind of take that mantra and live by it. Um, I'm trying to, I made a big list of these goals. I'm trying to think what else I've got. I do have a lot of hunts planned, a lot of, a lot of hunts, go, a lot of goals for my hunts. I think the ones that I post on Instagram, if I get 60% of those in, it'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, time's a big thing. Um, I've got a couple uh, professional goals with the Army. I, I don't really want to go into any details on, but there's some things I'm trying to do that'll be uh, nothing nothing crazy, but just, just kind of personal stuff. And so um, th- those are big. That'll be my big focus coming out of the marathon. So I'm going to be doing uh, some of that later in the fall. So that'll, that'll kind of consume my training and I'll, I won't go into specifics on what I'm doing, but I'll kind of talk about how I'm training and stuff and, and how my training has shifted from the powerlifting to the marathon. So probably a lot more like weight endurance and, and that sort of thing uh, with like rucking. And that's also going to set me up to then go into like my elk hunts and all that. It'll kind of all feed itself. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, that's pretty much what I've got planned personally. I, I can't really remember. I should have had a list of it all that I made the, made the list the other day. Yeah, then we gotta go get those uh, those first elk kills. That's that's on my list for sure. Yeah, got my ass kicked last year, so uh, I'm not taking a bow this year. I'm gonna take a rifle. Um, <laughs> I've decided that until I kill something with a rifle, I'm not gonna go after it with my bow. Dude, I think um, I'm taking my bow when I go out there. Um, I you know I went ahead and bought my my Idaho uh, tag when it when it came on sale the other day. And uh, I'm thinking I'm going to take my bow and just say, say hell with it. We'll see what happens. So I'll probably get my ass kicked too, but be fun. Yeah. As somebody who got their ass kicked, I would recommend bringing a rifle if it's rifle season. If it's, if you're going in bow season, then take the bow. I mean, whatever. But like, I would not intentionally handicap yourself on your first elk hunt just based on somebody who did. Right. <laughs> yeah. We'll but, have to, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, it, that's something that's kind of an off topic, but just expectation management for new hunters. I think everybody gets really wrapped up in social media and they see all this. It seems like instant success. And I guarantee you for every big deer killed, there's probably a hundred hours of, of sitting at least that went into that. Um, oh, yeah. Same with elk and, and the guys that are very successful consistently, they've built themselves up to the point that they're putting themselves in great situations, you know, like, 
like Rogan and Haynes. And we, we kind of talk about this on, during that podcast that's going to be in the shop. But like those guys are hunting private ranches and there's nothing wrong with this. I am 100% for hunting private ranches. I might try to hunt a private ranch next year. Like I'm, I'm a big, big fan of not having to deal with other hunters. I don't know why this idea of public land being superior is like in vogue right now. Like I'm a any land hunter kind of guy. Oh, yeah. um, I want to hunt it all. Uh, if I had the opportunity to go hunt a $25,000 elk tag, I 100% would do it. So I don't, I, it's not to disparage anything they're doing, but, you know, guys see these guys bow hunting and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a bow hunter. And it's like, well, have you ever killed anything? No. Right. I mean, yeah, you can start with a bow. It's not to say that you can't, but like you, you got a lot of work to do, you know, like you, you got to put yourself in a position. So like everybody's like, oh, I'm going to run and shoot because that's what Cam does. Well, how much have you learned about, species animal behavior what tracks look like what's you know what scat looks like what's fresh sign looks like how do you eat like there's so much that goes into that that's more important than not that you shouldn't shoot your bow but you could you could be the best archer in the world and if you don't know how any animal behaves you're you're not going to kill anything you know right no i think you're you're 100 right on that i mean the, the reality is even if i do take my bow out there next next year or i guess this year uh, I, I, I'm not expecting necessarily to, to fill that tag, but I do, um, I do just want to get that first one under my belt. I think that was on, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think that was honestly one of the great things about starting bow hunting a little bit later in life after I had spent, you know, years uh, as a hunter is that you, you learn that you do have those years where, where those expectations are just not met. And, you know, it, it's, it, it kind of shifts the goalpost a little bit to bring you back a little bit, you know, closer to reality. So I agree a hundred percent, you know, if, if, uh, if I end up taking the bow, it's just going to be to, uh, to see what happens. And, and, but that being well, said, if we go out there with our buddies that have an understanding of elk hunting far beyond right. what we could probably hope to learn in this lifetime, then your chances will be significantly higher, but I would still rather be able to, uh, you know, I'll try to get as close as possible, but I'd rather be able to shoot at 200 than uh, 40, you know? No doubt. No doubt. Well, um, shoot, man, we've been, we've been going almost an hour here. Time, time, time's flying. So uh, I guess, I guess the last thing that I kind of had on my mind, I don't, I don't know if you had any, anything that you wanted to hit on before we wrap this thing up, but um are there anything, are there any, any specific, you know, kind of endeavors or, or opportunities that, that you've, that you've had come up in the past year and a half that you didn't consider initially? And, and if so, um, how would you like to, to change that? Or how would you like to, uh, to incorporate that into what you're doing now in terms of, um, scalability, outreach, etc. Um, you know, we, we talked about some of the plans for the future, but I just didn't know if, you know, a lot of times you get into something, you think it's going to be one way, then you get in there and, and you learn, you learn about it. And, you know, what, what, has anything on that front changed for you or, or what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, an opportunity is, and I kind of touched on it last episode is just like the success breeding the success, the more, like the harder I work, it seems like the more doors open. Um, Cause I think people see that and they respect it. And then, you know, like I was just telling you just from this podcast, I've gotten some invites to go to some pretty cool places and do, do some hunts. And I probably won't be able to do that next year, but it's just, it's just pretty cool. Um, to that people are that gracious and they think they can hear like, 
when you're genuine, like, and I'm not trying to like act like I'm the most genuine guy in the world, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I want to, you know, teach and help people not make the mistakes that I did and, and bring guys that are, are, are experts in the field to eventually be able to, to, you know, actually provide that, that knowledge and value. Cause it's really hard to get into hunting as an adult. It's, it's the bear. I mean, I don't think there's anything that you can't just like, you can go get snowboarding lessons. Like you can't go get hunting lessons. Right. Right. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I don't, it's, it's hard to like get, I was thinking about this the other day. I'm trying to learn how to start doing everything on my bow myself so I can like change my string, you know, and save all that money. Cause it starts to add up very quickly. And it's like, I mean, yeah, I can watch Dudley's YouTube videos, which are very valuable, but that's not, I need somebody there being like, no dude, you're messing this up before I like kill myself and shatter my cams. Right. And so like just in general with what we're doing, it's hard to, to do that. And so I want to provide a lot more educational content um, and by leveraging guys that actually are truly experts. I think that's the, like the relationship with Anthony with the fitness and nutrition, but then also with some of the, the better hunters I know um, that I might be able to have on the podcast and do YouTube videos and stuff. We haven't even t- like, we have a YouTube channel and there's zero uh, videos on it. So don't search for it, but we're, we're going to start trying to put a lot more content up on that uh, YouTube channel. And, and then with uh, just with that success thing, I mean, I, it's pretty cool and it motivates the hell out of me. And this podcast motivates me. That was one of the reasons why I decided to do the, uh, that, that kind of challenge. Cause it's like, if I'm going to get up here on this, you know, platform, it's not the biggest platform in the world, but there's a decent bit of folks that seem to be interested in listening to what we have to say. And I'm going to tell people that they need to go be motivated or not motivated, but disciplined and, and motivation is great, but discipline kind of endures. And so then I better be doing it myself. And I, I haven't like last four months, I've been pretty shitty. And so that's why I kind of came out of uh, Christmas leave with kind of a fire under my, my ass about getting my life in order. As far as I've been so focused on the business, I've used that as rationalization, not to eat right, not to train right. It's like, oh, I'm so busy. And it's just, it's just a load of bullshit. Like I can definitely train harder. And so I think that I need to be a, like, if I'm going to be up here as the, the head of this company, I better be representing us the right way you know what i'm saying oh yeah no for sure i agree completely and i I think it's uh i think that's that's important um you know lead from the front you know obviously not the military but that's i think that's something that you can that you can apply to any any aspect whether that be professionally uh you know with your family um what have you so I, i think it's admirable and and uh yeah man this is a it's all exciting stuff so Hopefully we can we can kind of keep this train rolling, and uh, hopefully we don't screw it up somehow, fall off the rails. So, yeah, we'll try not to. Hopefully we don't have any uh, Roseanne type gaffes or anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, everybody, I think we're we'll wrap it up. Um, this was an awesome episode, Perry. I appreciate you kind of taking point on this one. Uh, this was fun. It was kind of cool to kind of unpack everything. I hadn't thought about a lot of that stuff. Um, I hope it was coherent and everybody got a little bit out of it um definitely give us your feedback leave us reviews you know tell us what you think if it's going to be a bad review just message me and i can uh, hopefully handle it but yeah i mean the, the reviews we've already got um are pretty awesome and i'm blown away uh the ratings and everything uh, you can catch us on spotify apple we're also on google so i know we weren't on google for a while so if you guys would prefer to listen to us on google we're, we're available there now um follow our instagram page it's at huntlifteatofficial uh, my personal page is at luke.d.cox and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. But as always, thank you guys so much. 
We've got the absolute best listeners and customers on the planet. Thanks.